This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm Chris Hamling and I'm your host today as we look back at a vital three points for Palace against West Brom for the Eagles as the spectre of relegation looks to have been banished for one more season. The Match Report. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com With me today on the panel is Mr. Mike Scott. Hello, everyone. And uh, that the enthusiasm in that voice matches our enthusiasm for this game. And also lurking in the background, it's, uh, well, let, let's call her producer Sam, although she's not producing today. Good evening. Good evening. Um, so you might be given your pearls of wisdom, but you also... Uh, have a quiz for us later on is it a quiz that's going to make mike and i angry do you feel probably yes good good i I don't think i've done a quiz that hasn't made you angry yet so um no no you haven't no some of them have started okay and then become problematic but um but i look forward to it nonetheless um i've got my my quiz brain on today so mike um Time to talk a little bit about Palace news. I think we will start with the fact that the women's team lost 1-0 to Liverpool this week. Talk to us about it. Tell us, you know, how good are the Liverpool women's team? Um, you know, should Palace feel feel 1-0 is a, is a decent result or is it a disappointment? Well, they were the team that got relegated last season um, from, well, from what's the Super League, it's very high quality league. Um I think they were by far the worst team last season, but um, you know they've been strong this season, um, lurking up up near the top of the table. So no particular issue with with losing one nil. Um, went down in the second half um, to to a single strike. So yeah, no issues with that. I mean, still doing all right in the in the league. Um, just still above Charlton, four or five places above the relegation zone. It's all right. It's all right. And Sam, is this an opportunity, I think, to uh, to plug a special podcast coming up, do you feel? It certainly is, yes. Um, 
So Chris Clark and I had the opportunity to speak to uh, Lee Nicholl, who is a midfielder for the Crystal Palace women's team. Uh, and we are going to put out that interview with um, with her, which was really entertaining and she was very good to talk to uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks. Fantastic. Um, so, recorded, still a bit of editing to do, is there? Is that, are we just teasing people? What's, what's the game there? We are teasing people a bit, yes, because um, Chris's internet dropped out terribly during the interview. So, <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we need to fix that a bit. But uh, And it will take a perfect, it'll be a perfect thing to listen to in the international break. Absolutely. Yeah, right. so we've got three weeks off, so you can probably you can spin it out for about three episodes if you want to. <laughs> so three very short episodes, yeah. <laughs> no, I think um, it's funny, you, you know, you talk about the break and on the watch along, DR was excited pre and post recording and, and somewhat during the um, during the watch along itself, the fact that he, has, he gets to not watch Palace for three weeks. And I think that uh, shows you where most people's minds are in watching Palace at the moment and will be a something of a theme this week but yeah can't wait for that podcast to come out um fantastic thing to do and um, i haven't heard any of it so it'd be a surprise to me as well so um next in the news the under 23s lost 2-1 to reading so they've been on a good run the under 23s but um obviously a lot of the you know a lot of the players are out on loan and we've brought a couple in um to kind of plug those gaps um, and also, you know, Wayne Hennessy was in goal for this one as well. Um, I'll run you through the lineup as just just to, just for awareness. There's a few things to talk about there. So it was um, obviously Wayne Hennessy in goal. We had David Burton who played at right back. Reese Hanam, who's been on the bench for the first team for the last few games, uh, at left back. Uh, Jake O'Brien, who's one of the players we brought in quite recently, and Malachi Boateng. Um Sorry, Malachi Boateng was in midfield. It was Rich J. Rich Baglow who was uh, centre back with O'Brien. We had Harlem Hale, who we, who we got in from Southampton, who's a very quick, tw- tricky winger. Well, that was hard to say. Um, and and been, you know, been very, very good for us since he's come in. And, you know, he's getting his first, well, his, his under-23s opportunity with those, you know, the likes of um, particularly Scott Banks, who was, was taking up that position in the team out on loan at Dunfermline. So Luke Dreyer, uh, still making his way back from long-term injury, managed 65 minutes, which is fantastic news more football he gets the better very very talented young man but it'd be interesting to see what happens with him because uh, he has to be named in the the full 25 uh, 20 25 man squad next year um cause, uh, and and potentially is out of contract uh, you know huge talent but see if those injuries have taken their toll and whether he whether he gets another year at palace or not uh, jk gordon um Sean spence were the were the forward players and um, and Rax Saki, um, who's who's been promoted from the under 18s, uh, played the first half with Jamie Taylor coming on at half time. Um, so it's you know getting getting familiar with that lineup now. They're they're a decent bunch of players. Derry's doing a cracking job there, and you know Reading they've been a decent team at, at first team level, and they've got a decent youth setup as well. And um, but it was a little unfortunate. I mean, Palace's goal was a was an own goal, but it was a very very late winner from Reading as well. Um, as the motorbike goes past my house again, yet again. Um, but yeah, Palace falling to that uh, to that very very late winner. Um, to to it was not a missed penalty as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, was it Hale who missed it potentially? Uh, no, Sean Spence, um, Victor Akamali who came on for Dreyer, um, making his second appearance at under 23s levels because he's been playing really well alongside um, David Omalabu. 
at um at 18s but he yeah he he came on for and won a penalty and unfortunately uh the keeper saved Spence's effort so um but I think it's a good, very quickly we could talk about Omalaba as well um who's just signed a professional contract somebody who's scored an awful lot of goals and hopefully people have seen the interview he did on the um on, on Palace player Palace TV absolutely fantastic interview you know real local lad and he was talking about scoring something like 46 goals in 23 games at under 16 level huge huge talent he's somebody I remember Steve Parrish had picked out when he went to watch the I think team played in Israel I think in a tournament a few years back and uh, you know he was just smashing the goals in back then still done it at, at 18s level I think he's, he's averaging over if you combine goals and assists it's over one goal per game which again is phenomenal at 18s and um, he's already got one for the 23s as well really big talent and what I really loved about it is a, a picture came out that the um, the official Twitter account put out of him when he was probably looked like about seven or eight years old um, getting a picture with um, you know with, with Wilfred Zaha who looks you know he must have been in his 20s so it's weird how these young lads who've grown up watching Wilf in the in the Palace side and getting their pictures taken with him are now, you know, now signing professional contact, contracts. Makes you feel old. Uh, that is because we are. Um, so no, no game this week for the under-23s. Sunderland, Monday under 18s. 22nd. Under-18s, you mean? That's the 23s we just talked about there. Yeah, sorry. Uh, just to go back to under-23s. Um, that's so. Uh, that's the only bit of football we would be seeing this week. Um, but I just wanted to talk about the table quickly. Um, so that Reading game uh, actually pushed Palace out of the playoffs, um, which was frustrating. Um, and there's some teams in really good form. So um, it's it, I think it needed a, a couple of decent results because uh, it'd be it'd be amazing to be in the playoffs. I think it'd be a really good experience for the players. For sure, I do. I do think there was an 18s game. Sorry, that's where my mind was going with that. Because um, I'm pretty sure Amalabo scored in that in that game. But um, I think it's gone so far down the news, <laughs> um, the news stuff on the Palace site, and uh, lots happened since then. But um, but yeah, anyway. So um, yeah, but obviously the the 18s I think are still top of the league. Um, but yeah, 23 has been you know making the playoffs would be huge. And you think the results there haven't been. Um, you know, weren't great at the start of the season. They really have turned it around. Okay, so let's talk about the game somehow. Um, Palace won West Bromwich Albion nil. Um, obviously, didn't really evoke memories of the the, the five one win um, in any way. And obviously, the the key factor there was West Brom had their full quotient of players for the entire match, and that's probably what happened there. And I kind of felt that the game could really, and we could possibly even stop the podcast after this, but we won't. Um, the the whoscored.com summary of the game. So let's, uh, you know, they like to put strengths and weaknesses, right, and talk about styles. So under Crystal Palace for this entire match, under strengths, the team had no significant strengths. Weaknesses were aggressive, lost possession often favoured long shots that's what we've got that's everything in the summary for Palace for West Brom were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from set pieces were poor at finishing gave away a lot of free kicks around the box but their style was had a large quantity of possession in their opponent's half attacked down the left side and favoured crossing the ball so match stats as well tell a bit of a story West Brom had 12 attempts at goal to Palace's six 
Um, but six of those were from set pieces. There were no set piece attempts from Palace, other than, unless you count the penalty, of course, which we did score. Um, Palace, you know, again, six six, uh, six shots at goal. I don't think, uh, you know, we can think of Lucas, you can think of Benteke's that required saves, um, but not too much more to think about other than that. So, you know, in terms of a performance, that's that's really everything that we can talk about because it, it wasn't great from Palace. Once again, you know, I said on the watch on Mike, it, it wasn't, I didn't, didn't feel myself anywhere near as depressed as I was watching us against Fulham because I, I didn't think we were quite that negative. But I have to say, when I when I heard Roy's comments after the game, I started to drift back because it was clear that the mindset was exactly the same and perhaps I was reading more into it than, than was really there. I watched the highlights back. And then I watched like the little tiny condensed highlights that they put on the, the Palace site just to see what they were trying to show that the game actually had in terms of any kind of action. Um, and we actually had some decent opportunities, whereas condensed into that two and a bit minutes was very, very little from West Brom. That, that one chance they had that ended up with Guiter, you know, started, started at a free kick and Guiter ended up... Um, I think he got a, a foul out of it. Um, it was really the only thing that they had going for them. So I, there was no point when there's no point in the game when I thought that they were going to score. Um, and watching back Joel Ward's interview after the game, he was very relaxed about it and and sort of said, "Oh, you know, we, we knew it would be a hard game, but we we had our game plan and stuck to it." And that game was the absolute epitome of that. It, they. At no point did Palace look like they were going to concede a goal. Um, and the penalty was, you know, it, it put gloss on a turd, really, didn't it? I mean, if we hadn't got that penalty, if, if they hadn't gone with the suicidal handball, that would have had nil-nil, the most nil-nil game of the season. So, Well, yeah. along, alongside the Fulham game, which, you know, and, and it's clear that we we just, we approached it exactly the same way. They're, they're a team, you know, fighting for their lives. So it was all about the danger that they were going to create. And that is not a recipe for a, for a good game of football um, as, a, as a Palace fan. And, you know, I don't know, Sam, if you uh, potentially got any, any views on how, how much entertainment you can glean from that kind of a, kind of a match? No. I mean, uh, we were watching it at home and my husband fell asleep, which <laughs> is kind of <laughs> indicating how good it was. That is uh, that's seriously impressive. You know, I can't blame him. I was awake because I was doing a, a watch long, but most of the entertainment from the watch long came from Dr. Eating eggs and mushrooms during the course of the uh, of the video. So, you know, I I don't know what I would have done without him to entertain me because it, it really wasn't much in it for Palace. And I have to say, I really put a hell of a lot of effort into trying to be as positive as I could be in that game. And you know, I've seen lots of comments on. Um, social media and in the comments during the, the the you know the youtube video as well lots of people being really really negative and i was trying really hard not to not to go down that route because you know you, you try and find balance you try and find you know the, the fact that we were winning the game for for a relatively long period of it you know you, you're trying to find something to it's the sort of thing where we used to go back in the day used to talk about it being a professional performance you used to say you know, you'd have a few of those a season where you know the team weren't really firing. The, the you know the the opposition were you know just that little bit more up for the game than us. But we saw it out. We did the right thing, and it was professional. But when you see it every week, it just feels you know it feels really hard to watch. Well, I would say though, I mean, we're all expecting it now. 
So in terms of the kind of performance, grinding performance against the team fighting for their lives um, and everything that Hodgson says after every game, it was pretty much the epitome of everything Hodgson would want from that game. So I wasn't particularly upset with it. I've got to say, I, I, you know, in terms of my sort of ceiling of expectation, I thought it was all right. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. It's, um, you know, it's not something where, I, you know, I didn't feel I didn't feel angry about it. I felt very angry after a lot of games this season. I really have um, because I thought we played well within ourselves. But it, it sometimes you you know if you take a step back and and look at what we're talking about here because there's been lots of debate about you know is the squad as good as we think it is all this kind of stuff but you know think put put form kind of out of the window a little bit at the moment and just you start listing uh, you know players with with attacking potential in our team so obviously Wilfred Zaha was back you've got Eberechi Eze you've got Christian Benteke Michi Batshuayi who's not you know featuring at all so Jordan Ayew You've got Jean-Philippe Mateta, Andros Townsend. Again, he wasn't in the squad, but uh, sorry, he wasn't in the team. Jeffrey Schlupp wasn't in the team. But you start listing those players, and and we we you know we're, we're defensive, we're we're negative, and you just think there's no way that I I genuinely don't feel that uh, another manager would look at those that level of talent in that squad and think, well, we have to play negatively. It's, it's the best way for us to get results in the Premier League is to try and hope for the best with the attack and do all the defensive work right. And I think Roy seems to have, re, you know, seems to respond to this kind of discussion by saying that we've been forced to do it because when we try to be more expansive, it's gone wrong. And we have, we've had to go back to basics to get points. And we have got, you know, a, a fantastic points total at the moment, but it just doesn't feel right to me. I just think that if you don't want to sit and watch a match where it feels like the players are time wasting from the 35th minute, you know, it's just everything feels it's just so slow and so side to side, like just get forward, just try to get another goal, just you know, you're playing a team that's in the relegation area. Like you, sh- you should be giving it a go at least. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the the frustration I have that, that we've seemed to have taken the pace out of the team. That was kind of the one thing that I really enjoyed, and you know, that's you know, that's why I've gone from being someone who was a little bit you know negative about about Jeffrey Schlupp. Excuse the voices in the background, um, but. You know, he he's one of the few that actually runs with the ball at pace. And you could so many times against West Brom, we had we had the opportunity to counter, especially when we, when we went ahead, because obviously they needed. You know, it's one of the games that they would have looked at and thought, okay, we've got an opportunity for points here. Allardyce knows a fair few of our players; they would have had a plan to break us down. And frankly, if they had more quality in their team, they would have done. There's no way we would we would have held out. They just. For them, the you know the timing of the runs from midfield into the box was was wrong. They put some great balls into the box. We weren't clearing them particularly well. They just the, just the midfield was just that little bit too late getting up there. And you know we we were lucky lucky that they're not 
you know, not the best team, quite frankly. So there's there's so much in there that just just bothers me. But it, it's the same thing we've been talking about all season. So it, it's hard really to say anything new. But I, I, I totally agree with you, Sam. It is it it's slow paced, it's ponderous, and people are being told effectively to play within their abilities. You know, Wilf is not free to express himself the way he he normally would. You know, you, you think about take Jordan Ayew. So we, we're we're, we're playing a forward player as a winger, sorry, as a wide midfielder. I won't even call him a winger. And we're asking him to do majority of his work defending. And he does a fantastic job of, of running all game, putting so much effort. But most of his best work against West Brom was defensive work. And, and that just, it just feels so wrong. But then if you think, if you're if you're Steve Parrish or, the, or you're the, the American owners and you're looking at, the team and the fact that you've got 37 points, you're safe in the Premier League, you haven't have to, had to currently invest huge sums of money in building the squad up. You know, you do you look at that the manager and, and say, well, I don't I don't really care that the fans are bored because we're you know, we're in the Premier League for another season. And that's you know, that's what really worries me at the moment. But rather than go over that ground again, just a, a thought from yourself, Mike, um, on the decision I think a few people worried that Eze would be the first person dropped to accommodate Wilf because he was obviously subbed to accommodate Wilf uh, against Tottenham. But it was Andros who dropped out of the team. What did you make of that, considering he seems to be one of the few that puts crosses in the box for Benteke? He does, um, but they haven't necessarily led to a great deal. Um, so I, I never like seeing Andros out of the side. But at the moment... Any of them interchangeably seem to not be the the missing link, the answer. Um, and when you talk about Schlupp, maybe a bit of pace would be the answer. I mean, Andros's pace is 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 very much down. Um, I, I like to see him in the team when Waldy's there because I think they play together well. I suppose he does with Klein as well. Um, and IU just doesn't seem to quite have that same level of um, sort of brainwave workings with the um with the back four that Andros does. However, IE seems absolutely undroppable. So um I, I don't know. I, I don't think any of them are the answer right now. I don't think any of them are in prime form. Um even Wilf doesn't look totally like he's back to his his full sharpness. Um so it doesn't make a massive difference to me. I, I I'm not really too bothered when the, the, the eleven comes out at the moment. I'm happy enough with it. Um, well, what do you think then about Ebereche um, Eze when, you know, he, obviously he started the game, but when he was subbed, he, he just looked to me, he just does not look happy. And do you think that's, he, he's out of form, he's frustrated um, or, or, you know, which is it, is it, is he, is he annoyed with himself or is he annoyed with the fact that he's having to play a, a, a very restrictive role in this team? What do you think? He's annoyed with the situation, surely. Um, he's every, every word I've ever heard him speak. He's such an articulate, uh, measured, interesting man. Th- there's no way he doesn't give proper forethought, or, or at least think about what his his actions afterwards and, and reflect on them for the next game. And the fact that it's carried over a few games, he is a player that doesn't necessarily add pace to a build-up. He needs to be around players that do. Um, and he absolutely doesn't have that at the moment. So he's really stunted in what he can offer compared with earlier in the season when, as you say, we were going more out to score goals and conceding more. Now that Hodgson's gone to this sort of uber Roy, like 
absolute total Roy where he's gone, well, I need a bit of myself and probably a bit of Tony, all the worst bits of Tony Poulis as well, just to make sure. Um, you know, the frustration would come from that. It's a bit like when I'm at work and I'm just given the most menial tasks. And yeah, you, you carry them out as, as best you can, but you just think, oh, fuck this. Like, it, it's impossible not to be frustrated. So until the situation changes on the pitch, I, I really don't think Eze is, is going to be the answer and I really don't think he's going to be any happier. Yeah, I, I, I've sort of been, the, the shame of it is that people are, are sort of starting to get a little bit down on him. There's a, there's a few fans out there talking that, you know, you know, he was overhyped, he's not the player we think he was. But certainly when you look at comments from, you know, the, the kind of pundits who've, who've played, particularly ones, some, of, some of them that have played recently, and they can't help but get excited. And it just drives me mad that we don't have any kind of philosophy about looking at a player like that. And, and thinking, well, how is it we can, how do we get him on the ball more? Because that's the, that's the question, isn't it? And I thought when Wilf comes back, it'll be different because Wilf will take up a couple of players. That will give Eze some space. And there were a couple of moments where he made some, he had one really good, good run and just literally overran it that tiny little bit at the end. But, you know, I, I hate seeing talented players wasted in a team and when, especially when it's my own team. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. We'll see how that pans out. But, you know, that's a real big red flag for me that, you know, we've invested a, a decent sum of money in a player that is hugely rated and, and has shown how talented he is. And we're just not set up to get the most out of him. How will we attract good players in the future? How will we convince people to come and play for us if this is the way we're going to operate? But you say that, but we have, you know, Benteke as an out and out striker, play him and don't cross to him. So whose strengths are we playing to? It's a fantastic question. And um, lots of people <laughs> ask that in the chat, chat as well on the, uh, on the watch log. I don't get it. It, I've, it became, it's become, it became a joke and now it's, it's not, not funny anymore. Um, because when you do get regular crosses <laughs> into the... It's quite, it's quite in Morrissey in the middle of a, in the middle of a pod. Yeah, that you've got to. You've got to. The but joke it, isn't funny anymore. <laughs> but it really isn't. <laughs> And I don't think that's what Morrissey wrote the song about, but it but it is apt. So, um, but I, yeah, I, I, I've, I've passed laughing at, at it, and, and I'm just thinking, you go back to the the goal against Spurs. You know, that, I mean, it's an awful game for us, but there was that moment of confidence of, of attacking belief where the players actually put a, a move together of such quality. And you can just see Benteke, you know, the eyes lit up straight away when he saw the ball out there. I don't think he even thought that it was Luca on his left foot. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have even bothered making the run. But it turned out to be a fantastic ball in the box. If you do that on a regular basis, if you put five or six crosses in like that throughout the course of the game, you increase the chances. If he's up there, you increase the chances of getting a goal in that game dramatically, in my view. Whereas if you, if you give him one or two of those in the course of a game at best, you know, if you're just asking him to feed off scraps. It's insanity. It's absolute insanity. You've reminded me that I've, I've wanted to bring something up for a couple of pods now. Um, and it, it stems from the fact that I've got an old shitty car that only has AM and FM radio in it. So I'm down to about five channels. Um, but Five Live and Talk Sport are both talking, I mean, rightly talking plenty about the, the heading and dementia issue. And every time it comes up, it came up today. Um, I just think, poor old Ben, he's going to have a really bad head when he's older. 
and I just that's been bothering me for a few weeks now. And I, I, I needed mm-hmm. to share it. I need to share it. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, yeah, there's. I, I can remember the whole Jeff Astle thing that kind of kicked a lot of this discussion off. Because um, uh, yeah, he he passed away, didn't he? As dementia as a result of the the sort of head trauma that he faced and, and there was all this talk that it was the f- football was different back then but it's a it's a good point i i don't have the uh the information or the knowledge on it really but um but yeah you think about the fact we you know i think he's at the top of the list for for winning headed jewels in the league isn't he um he, well, he was last week when the stats came out on yeah. twitter yeah. but um, there you go let's let's jump into some of roy's comments and see how we feel about them um i'm going to try not to push um what gets accused of being an agenda about this, but I just, I, you know, so I, I tried to take the, these things as literally as I could out of the comments. So post-match Roy was asked, was it a good solid win? And the answer was yes. Um, but he wasn't told talk about the opposition or what he was. He was told, let's talk about the fact it was a good solid win for palace. And what he wanted to talk about was the strengths of the opposition. Um, the fact that we would be asked questions by West Brom and that we answered them by defending well, um, and that he, he called it solid football from West Brom. And and I can't help but think, if you look at how West Brom played the game and you and you put our squad in that methodology, they, w- they would have absolutely destroyed us if they had even anywhere near the quality that we have available, certainly in the in the attacking sense. And I and I that's, that really worries me. The fact that we are still talking about even after a game that we've won, how did we play? And and all we hear is about how West Brom played and how we stopped them playing. It's how we open the show. Don't, don't necessarily have any more to say about it, but that's what Roy said. So what I will ask, though, is Roy calls that doing the job properly. And he's talking about, I'll, I'll get into it, but he's talking about the remaining nine games as well. But specifically, he talked about that game against West Brom. That was doing the job properly. Mike, is that doing the job properly? Well, when I did my GCSEs and my A-levels, I generally did all of my coursework the night before or the morning or on the way in. Um, I knew I'd do enough. I knew knew that I'd do enough to get what I needed, maybe a C, something like that. So I can relate when somebody referred to Roy's Palace as bare minimum FC on Twitter today, Um, (laughs) which... Yeah, I mean it, it. It's totally relatable for a man that's that's been lazy as fuck for the majority of his life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it just really resonated because, like you say, if they had the attacking threats, because when you look at the West Brom team, there's not a lot they can do. I mean, I don't quite know why he took the job on because he, he he was all, he was destined to to ruin his supposedly perfect record because they just don't have the quality. Um, if they had our quality going up front, there's no way it would have been used in the way that we use it week in, week out. Having said that, if you're talking about a job well done, it's the epitome of a job well done. So what can you say? That's Yeah, and that's exactly the point. It's I, I, That's why I, I brought it up. That's why I struggle with it a little bit because we're talking about a win. We're talking about three points for Palace. Um, but we're also talking about the same themes that we've talked about all season. And that's driven by everyone's reaction you know okay it probably wasn't anywhere near as negative on mass at the start of the season um but i was talking back to dear about this and, and i'll ask you sam and you as well mike on this one because 
How much of this, how much of the frustration is due to the way we're having to watch football at the moment? Um, because let's not let's not say that that because we're sitting at home watching it, it's it's different. Because lots of people sit at home watching it, but not having fans in the ground. I've mentioned before that I don't believe for one second. I'd be surprised if Moyes was still the West Ham manager, let alone West Ham would be where they are in the table if they had their supporters in the ground. But you think about what Palace supporters bring to the, to the team. The encouragement we give, the, you know, the way we drive people forward. And if it's a bad performance, the noise can, gets really intense and players aren't, you know, there's no hiding when you've got the, the team out there, when, you saw when you've got the fans out there in the stands. You cannot hide from that as players. And I'm not suggesting in any way that they've reduced their level because of it. But what we're really seeing at the moment is is the only real message that they get is from the coaching staff and from the ma- from the manager pre-game from the sidelines and post-match looking at looking at how they did. There is no real direct input from from the fans in how they see things. So how much of that, Sam, is is a is a, a factor in how frustrated and bored everybody is? I mean, I'm still trying to work out whether it's doing the job properly or just getting lucky in some of these games. But <laughs> um, I, it's got to be a massive impact because the types of results that have been happening this season, like throughout all the different games um, from the cities and the Liverpools type teams, that they're affected too. So... Clearly, this kind of not having the fans to either pick you up when you're down or to kind of, you know, encourage, it it has to make an impact. And equally, I don't want to be sat on my sofa every Saturday or Monday night or whatever, just watching the TV or struggling to try and find a way to see the games. You want to be there. You want the atmosphere just for yourself. So if you're sat for 90 minutes I mean it, it just bought we, well when you go to go yeah when you go to games anyway Sam which you which you do it it this makes it even worse for you even more boring for you for sure but yeah yeah you're, you're absolutely right it's it's that lack of I think it's the lack of encouragement more than anything because you know we are a positive fan base at times and people are talking about oh well you know, we wouldn't stand for this kind of thing. Roy would have been hounded out. But I think it's it's not really that that's the problem. To me, it's it's much more about the fact that during the course of a match, you know, if you play five minutes the way the pace that we play at at home, let's take the Fulham game. If you played that that opening five or ten minutes, the fans would have been right. This isn't this isn't good enough. We would have got louder. We would have shouted. We would have encouraged. We'd have cheered every tackle. You know that kind of stuff. Get people moving. That's what we do. It's the only thing we can do. We don't have that release. They don't have that encouragement. And it just it has killed football for certainly for me. Um, it, it really has at the moment. It is a struggle at times to watch it. What's happened here is in in our show document. Um, I made the poor mistake of keeping something from you to catch you off guard and you've managed to pretty much <laughs> ask it already um other than you've asked it from the player's point of view so i, I was gonna I, I asked it back to you before we get over to the quiz so like everything so being pretty much safe the brand of roy's football um the fact that we've only managed to go to one game this season and that was only two thousand of us is that all was that conspired to make us as fans 
less emotionally involved with Palace than you know than in in memory. Like because other other than at the end of last season where we we're already safe, it was a disaster. I kind of personally feel as far removed from Palace as well as since I was a full time musician and didn't get to go. So I, I wondered if it's the same, and and if Hodgson was to get another year, um, is are we even going to be able to get back to that kind of that level that you just talked about? You know, the the, the shouting every tackle. Um, I I I genuinely don't know. It'll be a, it'll be an interesting thing to, to to see. You know, if he gets another year, it's going to be a, you know, and he might. Let's face it, and it's a. It, I will find it really hard to 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 motivate myself again, and if that happens on on mass, you know, then it could be a very different environment we go back to. But but on, on the flip side, I found myself asking, you know, in thinking about this podcast, I found myself asking myself a question of which is actually have we been tremendously unfair on Roy? Because prior to Project Restart. We were a little bit frustrated with him, you know, and at time, and there was a fairly significant number of people who were kind of like, yeah, this is this has run its course. It's got a little bit stale now. But if you think about the period that he's had to manage over the last eighteen months or so, it's you know the whole combination of things that he's dealing with. If I take the emotion out of it and the and the anger and frustration and let's face it, boredom out of it. I, I do wonder if I've been mass. I have I, my attitude to Roy, which is still firmly, I, I've had enough. I want a different manager and different ideas. I think we're we're killing the squad. We're killing the, the the pace. We're killing everything in this team. It doesn't feel like Palace. I've got all those thoughts are in my head, and they're not going away. But how much of how much control does Roy actually have over that? And you know, w- without a fan base cheering them on without you know a huge amount of money to spend with his contracts and players contracts un- under threat have i been unfair D- do you think that's unfair <clears throat> um it's, it's tough i mean there was a period I, I think in the calendar year of 2020 when you add up the points were you know pathetic so th- there has been an upturn in results without an upturn in enjoying the games um, I come from a kind of I, I'm always willing to take a risk in most situations. So if something doesn't feel right for me, I'd rather see something change. Um, other people have the mentality of if something's working, you should stick with it. And he should have credit because we've got 37 points. Um, and there's plenty of managers in the league that are not going to end up with 37 points. So yes, but when he's talking about after the game that we just have to make sure there's three teams below us. Bearing in mind, we have one of the best players in the league and several other very fine players. And you, you look at our squad or our first 11 compared with the one we just narrowly beat 1-0. Uh, no. So it's... Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say. On no, it, really. but... And I, and I like, like the fact you picked that out because that was the killer for me. So I'm asking myself that question. And then I, I watched, just before we started recording, I watched his post-match interview and you'd pick this out, I think, on social media as well, where he was talking about, you know, all that he wants in terms of the sheen on the season um, for Palace in any season. He was talking quite generally is that ending the season above three other teams is is all he wants for Crystal Palace. That's all his ambition is. 
Um, and then he talked about the remaining nine games of the season. And he talked about all he's looking for for the remaining nine games of the season is a performance where we get in bodies in front of the ball. And and I'm thinking, well, okay, you've got the 37 points. I'm talking, thinking about, you know, are we being fair here? But you're looking at nine games left of the season when we're, okay, not mathematically safe, but God, if we don't pick up any points in the remaining nine games, and you know, I know Project Restart may point to that being a possibility, but hey, look, nine games, well, one of them is against Sheffield United. Uh, we've also got Southampton in there. We've got Villa in there. So, you know, there's, there's games where you, you could say we should be picking up a point or so here or there, or at least another win. And so what's, What's the thought? I know he's not got a contract for next season, but he's got a duty of care to the football club. He needs to be thinking about what happens next season. He needs to be giving opportunities for players who haven't played. He needs to make sure that if there are any players in, in the youth system who we're looking to kind of bring through and get a taste of football, get those on, get them on the bench. You know, But at the moment, he will, well, no, he will fill that bench with any senior player who's fit. And if there are, there's not enough senior players fit to fill the bench, he'll leave a space. That, to me, is unacceptable. Looking at the remaining games of the season and not thinking, let's relax, let's try and play a bit of football, let's see what kind of performance we can get out of this team that's a little bit different. But no, he's thinking about the same thing for the next nine games, over and over and over. And that, to me, is Roy. And that, to me, is why he still still needs to change. So, yeah, I absolutely wanted to talk around the fact that there are other factors at play here. But still, when you get back down to what he says, the things that you can actually nail him to the well, I don't know what the phrase is at the moment, but nail him down on and just say, what what is Roy actually telling us? He's telling us that this is how we're going to play. This is what we're going to do. And he's not going to change it. And to me, that's why you don't keep Roy at Crystal Palace. He will not change it and it will cost us eventually. We're, I think we've been lucky this season not to be there. So a couple of more. Sum, um, that, up. Sum your- that up then. So if he had next year, we'd have 49 more games of what we just had. Yeah, and I and I I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do with that because you know it would go horrifically toxic. And I suppose I I would just say what I, what I said on the on the watch long, which was actually I don't want that because part of me really wants Roy to leave with his head held high uh, with a with a good points total, and probably people from outside the club looking in saying, "God, you, sh- you should have given him another year, surely." And I, I almost want that to be the case. Than, than people saying it was a year too long. And I already feel like it's a year too long, frankly. But, you know, if he if he can leave where there's the almost an element of doubt as it, whether it's the right decision from outside football, I think it's um, a nice way for him to sign off. You know, leave, leave him wanting more and all that stuff. Well, no, not many Palace fans will feel like that, but in, in football in general. But you, you want the guy who's he's had a fantastic career, you want him to leave the job with his head held high. And I don't think that will happen if he gets one more year. So, um, C- combined cool. age of Big Sam and Roy for the game, by the way, 139. Inc- that's incredible. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, there's a few things in there as well. I, I, you know, I, would, I was going to think about talking around Benteke's performance because a lot of people are shouting for Mateta, but, you know, I'm, 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 I'm really happy seeing Benteke playing a bit more like his old self. Uh, one really, really good effort, um, which was saved by the fingertips of Sam Johnston. Um, which was kind of vintage Benteke. But you've got the other side of it as well, where he was put in and he took a touch where he should have taken a shot straight away. So you can still see there's that little bit of hesitancy that a fully confident forward won't won't have. Uh, and I still think that's a, 
you know that's symptomatic of the the lack of consistency in chances created you know the more chances you create the more opportunities he gets the more rhythm he'll get in his play and, it, and he'll he'll start putting those away and I, and I just don't ever see us doing that um, in a cons- on a consistent basis so that was something I wanted to talk about Terence tweeted from Red and Blue Army's um, Twitter account his Twitter account obviously but um, whether or not Furlong had a shout for Palace Player of the Year um, own goal in the first game and uh, giving away a penalty there. What do you think about the penalty, Mike? Um, it, is a, it was an absolute stonewaller once the offside was 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 clear, right? Oh, he, he's having a mare, wasn't he? But look, look if, if if Scott McTonaway can, can manage to get Player of the Year for Man United off the back of six games just because Mourinho was having one of his days where he wanted to be a contrary bastard, then why not? Yeah, give him Player of the Year. Yes. I, I, ne- I, I nearly mentioned Johnny Parr there getting player of the year, but I stopped myself. Um, I kind of didn't. So I know I, you, you wanted to know whether or not we should talk about this. There's a lot of attention on it. So I don't think we've got too much to say, but obviously Zaha put out a statement regarding not taking the knee. Um, and I suppose there's a lot of people got different views on this. Uh, we got accused of being too political when talking about it by, by somebody by email saying that, um, you know, not to bring politics into the podcast, but it seemed to be the idea was not bringing politics that opposed their views into the podcast and we weren't being political we were just saying stand up for for people's rights is a good thing to do or applaud for people's rights is a good thing to do we weren't making any kind of political affiliation to to any um group or whatever but there you go people get really weird and and funny about this stuff and and i don't see why it's pretty obvious to me that there's an issue in society and wilf has had his say on it as well um, and he's, you know, he's talked about the fact he says, uh, my decision to stand at kickoff has been public knowledge for a couple of weeks now. There is no right or wrong decision. Uh, but personally for me, I feel kneeling has just become part of the pre-match routine. And at the moment, it doesn't matter whether we kneel or stand. Some of us still continue to receive abuse. Um, I know there is a lot of work being done behind the scenes at the Premier League and other authorities to make change. And I fully respect that and everyone involved. I also fully respect my teammates and players at other clubs who continue to take the knee. As a society, that's a difficult thing to say, as a society, I feel we should be encouraging better education in schools and social media companies should be taking stronger action against people who abuse others online, not just footballers. I will continue to stand tall. And that's that's Wilf's statement. I'll just leave it with Wilf's words there. And I think that's all we really need to say on the matter. Support for Back of the Nest is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. If you're in the market for some beautiful balls, we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com forward slash B-O-T-N. They ship to the US, Canada, Australia, and of course, the UK. We talk about it lots and we're so so happy that manscaped is sticking with us um, and that goes down to everyone who listens getting involved in using their wonderful products um, i don't think we need to talk a tremendous amount about how much we have uh you know sharing our experiences other than to say that you know we've we've ex- experienced the uh the products ourselves and that's the best way for us to tell you that we do believe in what they're saying and um yeah you know mike you're a you're a regular trimmer it's uh it's you know, it helps your confidence. It helps your uh, your hygiene. It, it makes you feel good, right? 
Certainly does. And today I gave my four-year-old do- daughter an absolutely banging haircut with the uh, with the lawnmower as well. So <laughs> there um, you go. Yeah, I did. I did clean it first before you ask. Before you bring child abuse into this, <laughs> absolutely banging haircut. Excellent fringe. So you know it's multi-purpose. Well, it does have a, a guard you can add to it as well. I'm presuming you use that rather than the full-on trimmer because that's a close, close cut. Um, no, no I, 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 I just sort of trimmed the bottoms, but the, the, a little bit off her hair, and she looked in the mirror and said, Daddy, it doesn't look any different. Um, that's, <laughs> that's the art of a good haircut for me. Absolutely right. Well, you're a skilled, skilled operator. And, of course, Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer in human existence, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology and they're now offering the peak hygiene plan so this plan is a member portal to manage your membership preferences and it's available across europe australia and the us uh, you enroll in the peak hygiene plan and you get every single three every three months you get a replenishment of your favorite products and replacement blades delivered directly to your door hassle-free the portal allows you to build a combo and mix and match some of your favorite manscaped products whether you want fre- a fresh blade uh, some ball deodorant some foot spray ball wipes your member price stays exactly the same there are also plenty of member advantages like member exclusive pricing to products like their new refined cologne that smells beautiful and of course the life-changing lawnmower 3.0 um, just snap off your lawnmower 3.0 or weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer head every couple of months and replace it with a new one, making sure you maintain the closest and cleanest shave possible. And that way I and back of the nest can assure you the most hygienic set of testicles in town. And that is a sentence I never thought I'd say, but I'm glad to. So your replenishment pack always comes with a free gift this month. It's the foot duster foot deodorant spray. $30 value, totally free. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code BOTN at manscaped.com. Put Handsome on autopilot with the new peak hygiene plan from Manscaped. Back of the Nest. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos. Choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So now it's time for the quiz. Who's excited? Yay! Woo! Nothing from Mike. Oh, no, yeah, (laughs) there you go. 
Um, so this week, since we had a manager returning to Selhurst Park, uh, we've gone for manager or manger. So these are, uh, can you tell the difference between quotes from palace managers and biblical verse? Can I just check, Sam, is this in any way an unused Christmas quiz topic? Potentially. Mm. Mm. Yeah. When you say we've gone for. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've had a lot of unused suggestions. Um, Ambo has made us... <laughs> sort of sent me ideas and uh, I've picked out the best ones and um, this is where we've ended up. All right. So this is, this is any Palace manager or a, a Bible verse yes. or is it just Hodgson? No, no. Any Palace manager. Genuinely right. can't okay. wait. Yeah. And uh, I, I did it's check. Joe Ward my- when you need him. <laughs> Indeed. I did check with my mother beforehand that this wasn't sacrilegious in some way. She was a bit eeny-meeny about it. Um, right. We need to add our quiz codes, people. Yeah, I know. So we've got an edit point here, haven't we? My quiz. Sorry. That's I don't right. know why I'm apologising. Yeah, um, you, can, can you, you can take the blame if you want. My quiz. Why does that say dot .com? It's dot .com, right? .org. Org. Oh. Org. Org. Hooray. Uh, enter code to join. 453. 453. 356. Was that a sneeze? Not from me. No, I don't think so. Am I over 16 years old? Yes. Um, join. Hooray! I am connected. You both in? Yes. Why does it say connected users three? Is Mikey playing along? He loves a quiz. (laughs) We'll be on the leaderboard then. Okay. Are we ready to, to me to hit start? Absolutely. So your first question, the statement is, both my wives are upset. Is that manager or manger? I mean, I know what I think. I see the Pardew or the Bible, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, so we need to edit that out? No, that's fine. That's fine. It's it's clearly a joke. And the answer is, of course... Manager. Wow. So this was Malcolm oh, Allison. Yes. I re- no, I remember this. I've heard. Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah. On his successor at Manchester City, uh, the full quote is, John Bond has blackened my name with his insinuations about the private lives of football managers. Both my wives are upset. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. He was a character. So we're starting off well here. Mm. Second statement. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? That is manager oh. or manger. Can I change my answer? No, I can't. Oh, oh. I mean, that's, that's a good quote, I think. But I suddenly thought I think I know who said it now. 
because of the phrasing? And the answer is, of course, manger, which is actually from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 24. All right. well, wasn't Corinthians the thing was, that um, Joe Ward had on his um, had on his wrist the other day? Possibly. Is it Corinthians or Timothy? Mm, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll Google it later. <laughs> Google, Google it later. Um, okay, next question. Three. <laughs> also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. <laughs> Can I just say I mean, the previous one? Because do you do do you not know? Sounds like sounded like Brian Clough. That's why I freaked out. But anyway, <laughs> so I mean this this sounds like Roy, but <laughs> doesn't have job well done at the end. It, it, it can't be a manager, surely. It can't be a manager. Yeah, manager, and that is from two Timothy uh, chapter yeah chapter two verse five. I had no idea Timothy was in the Bible, but no, me neither. <laughs> Statement four, we are all going to walk across a pit of coals and someone will teach us how to do it. Manager or manger? I mean, I'm sort of regretting my choice, but I just went on statistically, you must be putting a manager one in there now. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, Let's have a look. The Bible's about penance, though. Um, The answer is, I wrote this so long ago, I've forgotten. Manager, yeah. and that is from Ian Holloway. You see, not uh, any of these could be. A, as soon as you <laughs> add Ian Holloway into the mix. <laughs> oh, we're straight on to the next one. Straight on to the next one. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Oh, that can't be a man. If any manager said that, he <laughs> laughed out of the dressing room. <laughs> I mean, there's some real characters. I mean, we've talked about Ian Holloway, and as you said, that could easily be him. But... Um, but you, surely not. Surely not. He doesn't know the word endurance, surely. Do you know how hard it is to find things in the Bible that sound sporting? <laughs> I think we're starting to find out. The answer is manger. And that is Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Like anyone's going to look these up. Of course it <laughs> is. Question six. Oh, it's always good. fraught with dangers and difficulties. Manager could easily be both of them. Yeah, you've done well. You've short you've shortened the quote there, haven't you? Because or or where or it's an answer, very glib answer to a question, or ah, that's good. Well done. (sighs) Okay, and the answer is I feel like we should have a drum roll. (laughs) Oh. Manager. So that is Alan Pardew on remaining in the Premier League after the promotion year. He's done well. He's obviously had word of the day toilet paper at that point. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Here we go. Question seven. <laughs> <laughs> so appropriate for, uh, for uh, I, I, I'll sh- <laughs> Women's History Month. Women can be so inconvenient. I mean, I'm, I don't think this is the week to be bringing this sort I of thing. Oh, I know. I wrote uh, this a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course you could. It doesn't, it doesn't that's, that's not an argument. Um, <laughs> I've got manger. Oh, yeah, I did as well. Oh. I regretted it instantly. That, oh. that, that was a, a good call, but it was actually Neil Warnock uh, on... Women Cole. can be so inconvenient. <laughs> uh, Carl Fletcher's wife was having contractions and caused him to miss the game. Which, oh, he, uh, said, yeah, he said it with with irony and, yeah, okay. Yes, okay. yes. Okay. 
not intended to cause offence. Yeah. And, uh, so we... Mikey has ended the quiz without even really suggesting and anyone knowing that he's in it, and he's currently winning. Yeah, as well. And the thing is, I know he got. I've got. I swear, I've got the same amount right and wrong as him. But he's got super quick. He's a he's a man who knows his manager and manger quotes. Apparently so. Question eight: Nine months of misery. I, I instantly regret my choice. I, I, I was trying to to answer as quickly as humanly possible to try and catch Mikey, but I think I've clicked the wrong one there. Oh, oh! Now I've got ages to wait to see. Yeah, see, I know this countdown I mean, is it, just endless. It does sound like a conversation between Patrick and Hambo on the watch along, but um. <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is oh, there you go. manager. So this is um, from Steve Koppel when asked what promotion to the top flight meant for Palace in 1997. Hey, he was not wrong. Also appropriate for, uh, I don't know, women. question nine (laughs) everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things manager or manger it's in in all things isn't it that's that's the key thing there i think um but again we could be surprised i guess i could be holloway again couldn't it yeah easily (laughs) or pulis yeah pulis more with the self-control i'd say yeah well apart from when he headbutted that guy Mm. Uh, the answer is manger again another one from corinthians that's 925 corinthians also a football team true (laughs) and the final question let me gulp down some of that red stuff i'm starving (laughs) manager or manger Um, i mean have you tricked us here yeah it's going to be manger we've all gone sam allardyce (laughs) yeah I was wondering if it was going to be one of those ones that's both, but then I realised the implications of that as well. So it um, wouldn't make any sense, would it? And the answer was... Major. Oh, that's we all Genesis. got that wrong. That's incredible. Okay. Nice. So let's move on to the um, final scores on the doors. Oh! Mm. In third place, ever the loser, Mike... <laughs> <laughs> with 41 points title of your sex tape <laughs> uh, coming in second producer Mikey who really should have just logged into the quiz and uh, checked out the answers first but in first place Hambo with a score of 58 feeling very happy with myself um, and Sam what an excellent quiz that was and what a wonderful idea for a quiz as well I think yeah, I, I, whoever I, thought of that is is amazing I've got to say, that's probably your best quiz. <laughs> <laughs> but we searched really well. It's not just about the idea, which was excellent by me. Um, well, I'm sad that Kevin Bacon didn't feature it at all again, but there we go. Should always be one Kevin Bacon-based question in every quiz, I think. Back of the Nest is sponsored by Pitch Sport. Google Pitch Sport Football. Download their app to your iOS device or your Android device. Um, they've now got a new game on there called Four Play. Uh, it's a match prediction game. You pick four results, win, loss, or draw, and you go onto a league table where you can compete with the likes of Mikey Fairley and Nick Gillard, who are doing tremendously well. Very out of character for both. I'm not sure how they're doing so well. I'm not doing very well at all. Uh, also, the usual features on the app in terms of picking your squad, 
for the games ahead, doing some predictions there as well, as well as rating the player and manager performance afterwards. And the ref, of course, you get to rate the ref. All of those statistics go into um, into the pot and Pitch Sport will tweet those out for us to use in creating this show. So you're helping us as they help us as well with their sponsorship. They're a fantastic bunch of people. The app's improving all the time with new features. Get involved now. And of course, if you want to add me, you can use the code K-U-G-K-U-T and Mike's code is E-N-E-Y-D-K. And statistics from this week, uh, 80% of Palace fans predicted a win against West Brom and were correct, whereas 43% of West Brom fans fancied a draw there. The most popular guest score was 2-1 Palace, which Mike, you've described as ridiculously optimistic. Yeah, I mean, that's putting far too much emphasis on the game being fun and interesting to watch, which it absolutely wasn't. So, Indeed. Right, it's time for the final topic for the show. Mike, I'm going to hand over to you because we've got some quick-fire questions. Yeah, there's a lot of feedback. Um, people are always very kind. Um, keep sending it. The ones we don't mention still shape the show, so please always send them in. Wouldn't be able to think of anything to say otherwise, um, but because there's quite a few, I was thinking, throwing them in your direction, Hambo and Sam, and just give me a, a, a one-sentence reply on what people have said. Let's start with Mark Drew. Where do we go from now? Football is still boring to watch, but another season in this league. Sam? The only way is up. Yeah. Hey, you yeah. Mean, uh... You said one sentence. Yeah, I mean, you can you can give it a bit more than that, though. Yeah. Oh. Um, I think uh, we would be best to look forward to some sort of change over the summer that leads to um, more positive performances in the next season. And I will remain positive. So I'm going to read between the lines and say you'd like Hodgson to not be in a job. Uh, Shell... Should Roy, now we're safe, play an attacking style for the rest of the season? Um, so basically, I, I, I wonder if she's talking about, um, you know, putting in some of the under-23s, that kind of thing, Hambo. Yeah, I think from Roy's comments, we know it's not going to happen. Should he? Should he play an attacking style? I, you know, I'll go, I'll go back to what I said before, Mike, which is it's not necessarily about playing an attacking style. It's not necessarily go, going gung-ho and hell for leather and all those kinds of things. It's about going out with positivity. Positivity can still be about doing your defensive work right, but it's all about how and how are we actually going to go out, win the game, create chances and score goals. And that seems to be an afterthought at the moment. And yes, he should, but I don't believe he will. Yes, I've got to agree with that. I asked you both this question from Jack, JCPFC. How will we survive three weeks without Palace? Sam, how, what are you going to do? I'm going to listen to the fine back catalogue of Back of the Nest podcasts, of course. Relive the glory days. <laughs> <laughs> Hambo, a real answer? Real answer is, well, I will actually be obviously listening to the podcast Sam's putting together, um, as she mentioned earlier on, and that that will probably be our content whilst we're off for the three weeks. I'll be honest; I'm looking forward to a, to a break from from football. 
Uh, I've got plenty of things that I want to do in my personal life, which I feel like I've got an opportunity to do now. Obviously, lockdown measures are starting to ease a little bit, go out and see some people. But I think, um, you know, a bit of a break will be nice. Try and get a bit of perspective and come back for these last last games of the season and try and find some joy in it again. That's my aim. Good. Uh, for me, I'm going to try and enjoy the cricket. But um, Sam put forward an idea that when Palace win the England cricket team never win. And so far recently, that's absolutely happened. India spanked them today at the day of recording. Um, Andy the Twat, always welcome, Andy. Um, he said, think DR's mentioned it plenty of times on the watch along. Are we technically safe now? And then the second part of the question, um, is is it a good time to change the guard um, or should, it, should we wait? Well, it's... Um... We're certainly, in terms of changing of the guard and all that kind of stuff, depends what you mean, whether you're talking about the squad or the manager. I assume he means manager. But um, yes, I think we are technically safe. Mathematically not safe, but technically we are. Um, I, I can't see the all you know enough teams below us overtaking us for us to be in any real trouble at all, to be quite frank. So we've got to do an awful lot of changes with the squad. And it does feel like it's the best possible time for a change. The question is, who wants the job? You know, it does does it align with their expectations? And you know, what what do they think about the situation they'll be walking into? It's so much hangs on on what we do with the contracts and you know what we're doing in the transfer market. That doesn't have to rely on a manager. The way we work, we've obviously got a sporting director and a board who who and, and a scouting team. We're all putting these things in place. There's, you know, conversations would have happened already with players. You know, we'd, we'd have a list of, of positions that we need to fill. Um, but so much depends on what, what the players who are out of contract do and what squad someone's got to work with. And that might change who we can attract to the job. Uh, and, you know, we, we know one of those options is, is Roy for another year. Indeed. Um, I'll ask you both this one. This is from Andrew Hepburn. Um, this is about the rumours this week for um, players that we're looking at. Uh, I'm always very dubious about the kind of rumours that come out this time of the year. It's so far ahead. There's, Palace keep their cards close to their chest. I, I think you'd have to be really in the know to, to, to truly know who and what Palace are looking at other than by going on what has happened in the past and I think this rumour has come from the last transfer window but he said Conor Gallagher question mark question mark surely Ruben Loftus-Cheek is a better option thoughts both of you? I I guess it depends on how the team is going to shape up for the next season really Um, you know do we need another midfielder or who, who might we lose from the midfield and how positive the going to be because you know Loftus Cheek was what uh up front today wasn't he so <laughs> yeah good point yeah um I think it's an interesting thing isn't it I, you know I my, my argument would be looking at the squad and potent, as, as Sam says potentially losing people out of it um there's an argument for both if we can get them but you know people I think some people are a little down on Gallagher again you know playing for West Brom against us saying you know what, what impact did he really have but I just, you know, the mobility. The, the problem with Loftus Cheek is always going to be how long is he going to be fit for? And we even saw that when he played for us. Incredibly talented player, got a decent run of games at, at Fulham. Now looks looks fit, but he seems to be an injury pr- prone player. And we don't really want another one of them. But supremely talented, 
worked really, really well under Roy. Um, but is there a space for him? Who, where would he play? Um, and Gallagher, you know, as much as you're saying it's um, obviously a, a rumour that's been recycled to a degree, there's 100% interest from Palace in him as, as a footballer. We, we, you know, we were very close to signing him and went, decided to go with Batshuayi in the end. Otherwise, he would be a, a Palace player on loan. And to me, it all depends on whether or not he's available permanently because I think a loan probably won't suit Chelsea or him at the moment. Um, but he, he wasn't keen to leave them permanently in the summer. No, no, exactly. And the the fact that he didn't come before and we went for a player that it didn't seem like we needed as much and that's definitely been, definitely come to fruition. I, I was really disappointed when that didn't happen and I could only think that it was to do with the player or, he, you know, people advising him. Same with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He, the the stuff that came out of his mouth after he left Palace, he was looking at bigger things. Okay, it's not necessarily 100% worked out the way he wanted, but, you know, he has been in the England setup before. Um, I I really don't see that he would be that keen on on, on that. I, th- I think he'll probably want to stay and try and do more for, for Chelsea um, or go to another team in Europe. Um, having said that, it might not be his choice. Wheelman, Brighton down, Watford up. Well, I mean, after Brighton's result against Southampton, which I was actually gutted about, we'll have to wait and see if Fulham can still pull that out of the bag. Um, and then regarding, uh, the, you mentioned it earlier, so uh, Terence tweeted about Furlong possibly being our player of the season. Um, one more point fanzine said uh, he'd be up there with Curtis Woodhouse and Brian Dean as legit Palace heroes who never actually played for Palace. Oh, the Brian Dean one was magnificent, wasn't it? Oh. <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, yeah, if, if anyone can think of any more Palace uh, legends that didn't play for us, then um, feel free to send them in. We can talk about them next episode. Uh, Greg Eggs, why does Jordan I always look like he's about to cry? He did look very upset at being took off. He did, but, you know, he he, he just, you know, he, he has a certain air about him, isn't, doesn't he? You know, whether he, when he scores and... Or when he's, you know, bored, or when he's happy, or when he's sad, he, he tends to look the same to me. But, um, but yeah, look, you know, I think let's just talk positively about Jordan Ayew. He's not been the same level we saw last year, but the work ethic is great, and um, maybe he's just an emotional guy. Eh? I mean, we we don't take hundred percent positively because his tram lines, his his receding hairline and tram lines combination. Um, <laughs> It's, it's not a strong one. And I mean, as a man, he's sitting at home with just an enormous beef on of hair. I don't, I can't talk, I'm sure many of us can't, but um, the, yeah, the, the tram lines look, it's not working for me. It's not working for me. That's all, that's all I can say. Um, yeah. Um, so again, what's the point of the Yanks? Um, I don't, all I wanted to ask out of this was, has there been any more information on the, the new investor? Not really. There's not a lot of information out there. Um, um, why have I forgotten his name? My brain hurts. Um, but yeah, it's an investment company, and you know he's now mentioned as uh, as one of our part owners. But um, when you look out there, you know, Google his name. There's not a tremendous amount of info. So I think legally they were obliged once once he picked up the number of shares he's picked up. However, it's happened. They were legally obliged to to register his name on the website, but they're not obliged to put any other information out of there. So, you know, he's a, he's a guy with money, but I, you know, I'll go back to the question and I won't use the same words, but what's the point of the American owners? Um, you know, they are investors. They've invested in a football club. 
And the, the point of that is, you know, what do they want out of it? And ultimately, as investors, they'll want some form of return. And the only real way to do that is to, you know, the, the thought around it is to, to build up the the team so it's worth more than the investment they put in and sell it on. That's what will happen at one, at some stage. And it's no more complicated than that. It's of no benefit to anybody if the team does badly and gets relegated, but there's always a... Um, a balancing act to do. And I will say this, you know, I'm not going to now my colours to the masters to whether I'm in support of them or not or whatever. I, don't, I think it's a bit more complicated than yes or no. But going through the, the, the COVID situation, they've had to, just like, you know, Steve Parrish and anybody else who's invested in Palace, they've had to foot the bill for for the fact they've got no fans in the stadium and, and the club's lost a lot of money and they still have to give people contracts and buy players. You know, we bought... Well, we've we've got the loan deal from Ateta that costs some money. We've tried to kick the the transfer fee down the line a little bit. Spent money on Eze, and, and you know and some players have picked up contracts, so they're still spending money despite not having the income that they had. So you you can look at it positively as well. And I'll just add to that: when I was growing up, there was very very few Palace shirts around in Croydon. I mean, obviously there was a few, but mostly it was Arsenal or Chelsea. Nine seasons in the Premier League, things are changing. Kids want to be Palace fans. So uh, they might well see a long-term investment and that will be what's in their heads from many seasons in the Premier League. Right, we will end with a question from Terry Kelly. Um, almost a Roman name. Guaita throws the ball to a defender, presumably to play from the back. Time after time, the defender just belts it forward, a hit and hope for those of a certain age. Um, we have to have creative midfield defenders to pass to. So uh, if you both just have a quick thought on that before we end. Got to be tactical, right? Well, I, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think that it is, and and I, my my reasons for that are that Terry's quite rightly pointed out that there seems to be an intention to play from the back. I think it's a, a confidence issue in one thing because if you, if you look at the the heart of the question there, it says we should we need, we have to have creative midfield a creative midfield defenders to compass to. Gyro is that, Eze is that, you know, if Wilf drops back, he, he's he's available for a pass. But when when players aren't confident and when, when the team aren't moving, because we're not a pass and move team, are we? That's, that's part of the problem. If you try and play from the back, but you're a team that's very rigid in the shape that they have and the players aren't moving around and it's all very slow and predictable, very quickly you're, you're susceptible to a high press. And that's what happens pretty much every single game. So quite often within within a second of Guaita rolling the ball out or us playing a couple of passes, the options are hit it long or lose the ball. We saw against Spurs what happens if we don't take option one of hit it long into the channels. So I don't think it is necessarily a deliberate tactic, Sam, but but you, I would say to, in, in support of your point, it's it's tactically wrong to, for us to end up in that position all the time because what we're clearly trying to do isn't working. So thank you for listening. Thank you to everybody who got in touch with the show today, whether we used your message or not. Please engage with our sponsors. That's Pitch Sport Football and Manscaped. They support us so we can keep this show free for everybody. So please support them. Like, follow, subscribe on our social accounts. And the preview team will be back soon to look ahead to the Everton game on the 3rd of April. So until next time, come on you Palace. Back of the Nest Review Show, sponsored by PitchDMM.com.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.